Hello there. I'm Colleen. I'm Anders. And I'm Daniel. We're three nerds that met through our love of science fiction and fantasy storytelling. Of course, one of our favorites is George Lucas's signature achievement, Star Wars. And if there's one thing the internet definitely doesn't have enough of, it's nerds talking about Star Wars. So here we are with yet another Star Wars podcast, where each week we discuss one of the films in the current Star Wars canon. From the sands of Tatooine to the levels of Coruscant, we cover it all. Yet another Star Wars podcast is available wherever you get your podcast and is part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hello and welcome to Recent Activity, your new favorite entertainment review podcast that attempts to cover every film, every show, all at once. I am your co-host, Andrew Morgan. With me, as always, are two men who weren't even supposed to podcast today, Shane Beauregard. Snoochie Boochies, gentlemen. <laughs> and Chris Ferdell. I don't see the sailboat. <laughs> it's a schooner, you idiot. Um, <laughs> you know what? Over there, that's just a guy in a suit. <laughs> uh, I could do... That's the thing, man. Any kind of... Uh, Comedy people, whatever, we always devolve into the Chris Farley show of like, remember, remember that scene? Remember that, remember that line when he says that thing? But yeah, but I think we are three men who uh, have followed the career of Kevin Smith pretty closely uh, our entire lives and probably meant a lot to us uh, when his movies first came out, uh, ever since Clerks came out in 1994, guys. I was 12 oh. years old, so he uh. hit me right in the perfect time period of like, learning about guys dying, sucking their own dick, and snowballing, <laughs> and all the important things a 12-year-old supposed to know was all those early Kevin Smith movies, for me anyway. But that's what we're going to do today on this show, guys, if you haven't figured it out already. Uh, today we're going to cover Clerks 3, something we've been uh, meaning to cover for quite some time. Never knew really how or when to cover it. Because uh, it did do a limited run in theaters a couple months ago at this point. Um, but then he yeah. took it on the road. Uh, we wanted to kind of wait for it to get through Connecticut, which that happened last week, I believe, right? Last Tuesday or something? Yeah. yeah. And then uh, we also wanted to make sure it was on uh, VOD for people to, to check out and rent and everything else. So we're hitting that nice little sweet spot where there's not a whole lot out in theaters. And this is a good time to talk about uh, someone who's, like I said, near and dear to us, Kevin Smith, who I've actually worked for before. I've said this many times, so I won't belabor it, but he was an excellent guy to work for. Uh, him, Mosier, all the guys that I met, everybody was excellent and super professional, very kind. Uh, so uh, a lot of times I've, quote, met my heroes or whatever, and it's gone terribly wrong. <laughs> hmm. Um, but this did, he lived up to it and I met him a few times, uh, since as well. And it's all, all been very positive, but Chris, we'll start with you. Like when you hear Kevin Smith, what does Kevin Smith mean to you? Like, what has he meant to you over the years? He's actually the, uh, the guy I can blame for, uh, my love of dialogue. Uh, yeah. the, the fact that before, uh, the independent film, boom of the 90s i just watched movies yeah took them in and they would go nowhere yeah. that's it yeah but because of him and several others i just basically absorbed it and i could rattle off who producers were writers directors yeah. of the films that i saw where before if you approached me and said who did this i'd be like i don't know yeah is that the one with the thing that happens right you know it would just it would be so Ah. But uh, because of him, he made me uh, love movies and showed us that you don't have to have an inflated budget to make a movie. It just took ingenuity. Yeah. I mean, he was basically the avatar for independent cinema to me. Like he was the guy who not only represented the dream of like making a movie with your friends and kind of this truly indie spirit like he was he was this folktale because the legend was that you know he sold all his comic books to raise the money to shoot clerks and then once clerks was a success he went out and bought them all back and then obviously ended up uh opening jay and silent bob secret stash along the way and everything else so like 
It was this perfect combination of filmmaking, nerdy comic book guy, all these things that I was and or still am that he's always kind of lived in my brain as this like inspirational figure on top of just someone who feels like your friend made a movie when you don't even know him. So it's kind of always had that legend for me, too. Shane, how do you feel about Kevin Smith? Um, I echo a lot of the same thing you guys did. He has like an endearing quality to him, especially early in his career. Like you, I love his fanboy take on things. So you could tell he loves just movies in general. And like Chris, I got caught up in his dialogue and just his, the way he would write characters. And it just, he is someone for me that I was easily able to gravitate to in his career. Yeah. And especially when we go through his like stages in his career, but his early, I guess, golden age we'll, we'll get into. I it, barred on, I'll put that up against any director it, it, during my lifetime. And mm-hmm. it's cause it was him and Tarantino that really showed me, Hey, the dialogues can carry movies. They yeah. don't have to be all action and, and whatnot. So, and uh, I'm just gonna bring my guest on tonight. There. Oh, <laughs> buddy Christ. Nice. I, I get, I, that was the thing too, right? Like we were, he was a fanboy for everything. It seemed like that I matter that mattered to me, like the Star Wars stuff and everything else. He was basically nerdy Tarantino because everything was so referential that it was like us talking after a movie, but he would put it in his characters and really put yeah. himself in there a lot. He because he's writing and directing, he puts you know, his own stamp on things in his characters and and it kind of reflects how things were at the time. It felt very modern, very relevant, uh, for good or for bad, because I will say, you know, at the time, I loved Chasing Amy. I, it was one of my favorite movies around that time period when it came out. But now it's like, did I truly want Kevin Smith to show me through my first experiences of like, you know, interweaving relationships with you know the homosexual community and things like that like in the you know mid to late 90s which is still Mm -hmm. a very you know tough time uh for the lgbtq community um so things like that i always go well probably not the best source but at least like it brought it up you know um and tried to at least look a little bit at uh you know how homophobia is maybe not so good at the time or whatever, though, to varying degrees. A lot of the, if you rewatch some of his older films, they do feel very nineties in, uh, in those regard. But let's talk about like, I feel like he has certain phases to his career right now. He's kind of in this nostalgia years bubble where he just did Jay and Silent Bob reboot. He obviously had uh clerks three just come out this year. And he's looking forward to doing a Twilight of the Mallrats, a Mallrats sequel that is uh, kind of up in the air right now. I don't know uh, how that's exactly going to go. But he started off, like, to me, just like gangbusters. I think Shane kind of said this, where, like, he would hold it up. We would hold these up probably to any other kind of comedy director or any kind of indie director that we, we loved over the years, where Clerks, Mallrats, Chasing Amy, Dogma, Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back, a.k.a., like, the Jersey trilogy or the Jersey uh, films, those early view askew, view askew universe uh, stuff is kind of what we all think of when we close our eyes and think of Kevin Smith. Cause that's all, all Jane on Bob and all the characters. And it was pre what I think was his still relevant phase right afterwards um, where Jersey girl changed everything. Cause it was like, all right, He's, quote, growing up and wants to make a grown-up movie. And it caught everybody off guard because <laughs> I think it, it's made in 04. I'm just, you know, at the tail end of college. And to me, I was like, I'm not ready for this shit yet. But, like, he's also a little bit older than me. So I don't know how you guys were when Jersey Girl. Did Jersey Girl, like, freak you guys out too? I would say uh, I wasn't freaked out. Okay. Uh, but I was like where are jay and silent bob right, <laughs> you yeah. know at uh oh four I, I forget how old i was but uh we'll say i mid 20 to mid 20s yeah and uh he um like you said he makes a stamp of his career uh he puts a lot of himself into the movies that he writes and directs yeah and uh you know he was a clerk 
he hung out at the malls. Uh, he had uh, uh, relationship issues. Uh, he's he grew up with religion, so you got dogma. Uh, when Jersey Girl came around, it was him reflecting on being a father for the first time. Yeah, and um, even though we weren't exactly there yet, I liked I liked what he was saying in it. Ben Affleck is uh, put in a situation where he has to be a single dad yeah. and it takes a community to, to raise his daughter. Yeah. And he's trying to navigate as uh, a single father, a, a businessman uh, who is uh, fallen from grace. And at that point, I would say that's what a good 10 years of me watching movies, absorbing movies where I get where he was going with it. Yeah. And Yes, it wasn't a straight-up comedy, but it had people I liked in it. I I liked Ben Affleck. I've always liked the Fleck. I'll I'll always defend him. Yeah, uh, George Carlin. George Carlin. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, how could you go wrong? Liv Tyler mm-hmm. was hot at that point. Oh yeah. You know, she was coming off her uh, dad's videos. So well, and I'm starting just to get like, into Lord of the Rings, right? Around that time, yeah. Uh, I I believe that to be the timeline. But yeah, I would say, uh, you know, it didn't freak me out, but I was just like, where's he going with his career? You know, he started with these comedies. Now he's going into this kind of like dramatic comedy kind of thing. But yeah, yeah, it felt very much of like just a studio rom-com or like some kind of like drama, like more than comedy that it just it felt like such a big U-turn to me at 22 and someone following him, like you said, for 10 years at this point, it just felt like, wow, okay, I don't know exactly. Like, it was so hard to judge at the time that I probably judged it too harshly, like everybody else. Have you actually? Yeah. Has anyone watched Jersey Girl since it came out? I uh, did go back and watch it about ten years ago, to be honest. With oh you. yeah, and yeah, oh, yeah, and I had a, a better appreciation for it after some time has gone by. Yeah, I mean, it feels kind of dated, right? And it definitely yeah. was out of left field. But I, like you, Andrew, when it came out, I was like, okay, that was a decent movie, but not what I was expecting out of a Kevin Smith movie. Yeah. Right. But then, like, he comes back with Clerks 2 two years later. It's like, oh, that's the Kevin Smith I like. You know what I mean? So, right. Yeah. Like, I wasn't quite ready for Jersey Girl at the time, but it is a decent rewatch. And I would recommend going back and because it has a lot of heart. And, like Chris said, there's a lot of people in there that I like in some of the performances. You talk about cute girls, you know, in movies lately. Like, she yeah. was one of the like early ones that I remember. Oh, she was so cute. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. you know, I, I was I liked it. Now looking back, I liked it. Yeah, it's like his curly Sue. You know, if it's like yes. kind of just yeah. this cute little piece that doesn't hold up to what you know John Hughes was doing before Curly Sue or what Kevin Smith was doing before Jersey Girl. But you like you said, uh, Shane, he immediately you know, flips the car back around, does another 180, does Clerks 2, then Zach and Mary make a porno, and then, like, he kind of ends this kind of still doing studio stuff, still very relevant uh, period with Cop Out, which we were talking about off mic, which um, insulted me when I saw it. I was so (laughs) angered at how bad it was because, like, at that time, you know, Tracy Morgan's still relevant bruce willis is not you know completely phased out yet you know at this point but god damn it (laughs) this movie was so bad and you figure like i would have thought for the 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 affection that uh kevin smith has for like kind of 80s comedies or 80s buddy comedy stuff like that he could have made an excellent one and this just didn't land chris do you like do you remember the the cop out period do you remember that feeling Oh, I, I, I do remember the cop out period. And, uh, I was just like, okay, all right. I'm, I'm following what they're trying to do with it. But I'm like, is this, is this really the story they're going with? <laughs> yeah. Bruce Willis wants to pay for his daughter's wedding <laughs> right? with a old baseball card that was stolen from, was it the, the pawn shop that he wanted to, uh, sell it to? Yeah, I, I don't know. Something uh, like I, the, I, I, I forget I, what it was. I barely it was remember so, the plot. Yeah. Yeah. It was sort of like that. And then they're spending the whole movie trying to find out who stole it. And it's 
bigger than they thought. Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, it's tough. It was weird. Yeah. So I don't know if that burst the bubble for everybody because Cop Out didn't fully feel like a Kevin Smith movie in the same way yeah. of Jersey Girl, but it's just that much worse. So people seem to still be kind of digging on Clerks 2. Zach and Mary, I will defend that movie because I liked it quite a bit, and I think there was a lot of good chemistry between uh, Seth Rogen and Elizabeth Banks. But I, And obviously it has like a lot of you know, Star Wars references. It feels very much more yeah. of a piece with Kevin Smith stuff. So I definitely like that movie a lot more than other people. And in fact, I think our buddies at Forgotten Cinema did that recently, didn't they? Uh, for an episode for that. So if anyone wants to do a full deep dive relive uh, on Zack and Mary Make a Porno, I believe they did one recently. So you could check that out. Um, but then after this period, it's back to like, kind of just indie movies for him where I feel like the theater experience of going to see a Kevin Smith movie was kind of out a little bit. He does red state in 2011. He does tusk in 2014 and yoga hosers in 2016. And again, flips the script after having one of his worst movies with yoga hosers, or at least it was like, I think the, if I remember, cause it stands out like the IMDb score for that might be his lowest of all his movies, I think it's at like a 4.6 people hated this movie. Hmm. So then, like I said, then he flips now to, to, to where we are now where he's going back to like, all right, if I'm going to get a movie off the ground, it has to be tied into IP, which is kind of how the feeling of everything is these days. Right. So then you get reboot clerks three now. So I wanted to talk about a couple, a couple of things with clerks three before we get into like, kind of just going through the whole thing. Part of, we mentioned it before, the the touring strategy. Have you guys seen Kevin Smith live before? And did he, like, was it a part of a movie or just, like, a Q&A thing? Shane, we could start with you. I, I have not seen him. He came through Durham in, in October to see this book. Unfortunately for me, it was, like, on a Wednesday night or something like that. Yeah. And I could not. And I honestly was scared to justify the cost of the ticket sure. <laughs> to, to go to go see him. So no, I'm kind of kicking myself now. But um, yeah, I didn't see him. Yeah, Chris, have you? I saw uh, Jay and Silent Bob get old. Uh, okay, that played in uh, Ridgefield, Connecticut. Uh huh. Nice little theater, a nice uh, cozy atmosphere, and uh, yeah, they were just. They were just talking. There was no like Q and A really. It was just like, hey, we we do these dumb things on stage, like you know, uh, grabbing people out of the audience, yeah. uh, make them look uh, foolish alongside <laughs> you know, right, Kevin Smith and uh, Jay Muse. But yeah, it was, it was funny. It was uh, it just tickled us. Yeah, uh, me and the missus uh, saw it, and uh, it was actually my birthday gift for her. Okay. Uh, I'm weird with presents. So uh, <laughs> she really wanted to see him. And I was like, you know what? Uh, I'll get the tickets. And uh, I surprised her with it. And uh, we both had a great time. I think I even uh, downloaded the uh, the show from, uh, I think, the website. Okay. So we can always remember that time. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen him uh, a couple of times. I think I might have seen that show. I remember seeing him in Hartford uh, at the uh, the Bushnell uh doing that a couple times up that way plus i also i think that's what he was he was playing there recently is that where, that's where uh, he went end this, of the tour? this last tour over last okay. week at, in connecticut for sure yeah um he already was either that or uh infinity hall one of the two one of the hartford venues one of the uh, okay. theater venues yeah. so it was one I of think those that second one yeah yeah um so and i think it was the same thing where they weren't promoting a movie per se they were just kind of like talk, a lot of stories, maybe a few clips, a lot of like Q&A or grabbing people from the audience to, to talk stuff, you know, uh, just kind of a hangout. And that was uh, yeah. kind of cool. I enjoyed that. He's 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 a very entertaining guy, has a lot of stories, him and Muse and, and whoever he had with him. I think maybe Mosher was with him, too. Um, and then I've seen him. I remember seeing him at the uh, Jacob Burns Film Center in uh New York where it was like he did um a man for all seasons was like what is one of his all-time favorite movies and he 
we all watched the movie and he did the Q&A for it after the show after the the showing so that was cool to like kind of be like hear him talk about a different movie how it affected his career and all that stuff and and also obviously answer questions of what he was up to and, <coughs> and all that stuff so but he's yeah. He's entertaining, so I'll see him in any kind of setting as long as it's you know not a prohibitive cost or a, a time schedule thing. So he he definitely works and out. I was gonna say, and it's funny because uh, when I was still getting DVDs, uh, and he had uh, an evening with whatever he would come out with, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. uh, I would get because yeah. I really just loved the stories that he told. You know, yeah, of uh, you know how uh, some of his films came to light how they were received. So I watched all of those. And then Shane uh, made me hip to uh, Fat Man on Batman. And now it's Fat Man Beyond. Yeah, he's a podcasting legend, too. I wanted to kind of bring that up, too, where like he's an inspiration for people as much in that sphere as he is filmmaking these days. And he's also had this second life as a as a doing TV episodes, too, because, you know, he did episodes, uh, a lot of the uh, CW Flash Supergirl. Yeah, Flash Supergirl. Yeah. Um and, and it fits perfectly for him. I think he should keep up that stuff cuz I think he does it well and and really gets those worlds and it's less weird if he gets hammy and he's not writing a lot of these scripts and stuff too, so it kind of just it's just he's a good person and this energetic person to be in there that gets the material. So I think that fits mm-hmm. uh very well for him as uh, well in his career so here we are now right let's uh let's talk clerks three um i'm going to start with chris because a lot of this conversation that we've been having kind of off mics is that you uh, you could give your general thoughts and i think we'll get into what your uh, overall assertion was that we were kind of debating afterwards so give me give me the lowdown because this is of course the third in a trilogy but a trilogy that is now sp- Span 25, 30 years almost. Of course, written and directed by Kevin Smith, starring, bringing back Dante and Randall, Brian O'Halloran and Jeff Anderson. Also, of course, Trevor Furman as Elias, back from part two. Justin Long, Amy Sedarius, Rosario Dawson, who does not age, and is actually, I think, reverse aging. She looked better in this (laughs) movie, I thought, than she did in Clerks 2. Um, and every time she's on the screen, I swear it's, she's just out acting everybody. I love her uh, in general, let alone in these films. Um, yeah. Plot line is Dante, Elias, and Jay and Silent Bob are enlisted by Randall after a heart attack to make a movie about the convenience store that started it all. It's a very meta movie, kind of like reliving the initial Clerks experience uh, while also bringing in Kevin Smith's real life heart attack. And, and kind of bringing this into the fold. Apparently, this all kind of came together after, uh, I guess, Jeff Anderson and him were not talking for a while and didn't like the initial script for this. And then they did, like, an appearance together, got back together, and then it was after his heart attack, and then they kind of remade the script. And now this is what you have. You have Quirks 3 um, getting some middling scores, 63 Rotten Tomato. 50 Metascore, 3.3 Letterbox, 6.4 IMDb. The 93% Rotten Tomato audience, I'm just going to throw out there because <laughs> that's 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 the audience, that's the fan love for, for Kevin Smith there. Uh, so what did you think of the movie, Chris, now that you were able to watch it? I really loved it. I, I didn't expect to see what we ended up seeing. I just thought it was going to be a bunch of poop and fart jokes, uh, throw Star Wars references in it. No, that was and, reboot. Uh, <laughs> no, I know, I know. But I thought the third, uh, this third trilogy was going to be like a little bit more uh, of two from what I saw from the trailer than I, than the original. The original was like more of a, a day in the life of a clerk. Yeah, you know, it was more straightforward. And then you know, it's kind of elevated with uh, the sequel, the second one, and then the third kind of leaping from that kind of concept. As we said before, Kevin, I think all his films are meta. It's whether or not we know the stories that he's trying to tell. Sure. So nowadays we, because of his touring, because of his podcasts, we know these stories. We know the, the history behind some of uh, his works. Yeah. 
when he said it was going to be based on him having his heart attack, I was like, okay, great. He's got, you know, uh, Dante has, or I'm sorry, Randall has his heart attack. And I'm like, okay, that kind of throws things off because he's more Dante he is, than yeah. Randall, mm-hmm. you know, cause he said he, uh, he based, uh, Randall off of his friend, uh, Brian Johnson right. uh, of comic book men fame, who was unconcerned with what people thought of him. And he said what he thought. Right. Um, and then to see this all transpire on screen again, having know the, known the story, I'm like, he's doing it again. He's getting meta again. Yeah. Um, but then he throws you for some loops, which kind of like, you know, you're expected to see a full blown comedy. But there's a lot of heart in this. And, you know, I don't mean that as a pun. No, a lot of there's drama. A, a lot of yeah, drama. Yeah, there's, especially like to start, uh, you find out one, uh, find out something about one of the characters where you're just like, really? When the hell did this happen? Yeah. You know what I mean? So it was very surprising. And uh, I liked all the twists and turns that, uh, that it made. Not like it's this thriller, but it subverted my expectations. Yeah, and and... On top of his own experience with his heart attack, apparently a lot of the the portions of them making a movie in the communion store and everything else was apparently a never-made Clerks animated series movie that they were going to do. And he kind of like morphed that idea and tied it into, you know, the feeling of like, I have to do something with my life, you know, facing death and all these other things that he's been going through um and living for today this kind of spirit that kind of lives in all the clerks movies it's just to to varying degrees it's the as they say in the movies like the shitter get off the pot mentality but it shifts from person to person um i also uh, <laughs> i also love thinking about this as cuz there's not many trilogies about you know, uh, there's not many comedy trilogies in general. We could talk about that in a minute, but like, there's there's also not ones that get this kind of dramatic arc with characters that carry over and all these really heavy things that happen. So, I feel like this is like the indie dramedy version of like the before movies, where we just keep catching up like several years in between, where they're at like different life stages. You know? Yeah. Because there was what twelve years. Between the the first and the second clerks, I believe, and then now we're talking another fifteen or what have yeah. you or more yeah. after that. So it definitely feels like you're just catching up with them in whatever stage of life is panicking them the most. Um, and because you laid it out perfectly, where it's you know you, they were twenty two in the first movie, they're just trying to figure out what they are, who they are, who they should be with, these type of things, and then. You know, the second movie is a little more dramatic, a little bigger stakes with, you know, fiancés and donkey shows and whatever else is very important <laughs> to them at the time. And then the, this one now, heart attacks, looking at uh, their life in total, and it gets a lot more heavy. Shane, what did you think of Clerks 3, buddy? Uh, first, I'd like to start and echo what you said about my girl, Rosario Dawson. Uh, <laughs> yeah. She is fire. Oof. And, uh, yes, yeah, she does make the pants tight. Um <laughs> And she's one of the reasons why I like Clerks 2 more than I like Clerks 1. There, I said it. I said it. I said it. Can't I go know. with you there. I, I'm, it's no shade on part two, but I just so, yeah, I can't do it. Like Chris heading into this movie, when I once I found out he based it on his heart attack, I did think it was going to be a little more drama-ish, more yeah. kind of heavy-handed heart, you know, with a lot of heart. And when this movie got done, in my head going into this, I'm like, I didn't have high hopes, to be honest with you. But when it got finished, I'm like, this movie has no business being as good as it is. Like, I did not think it was going to be as good or hit me like I did. Like, just the relationship between Dante and Randall, which is further solidified. They're just a great duo friendship on screen. I love Elias' character in this movie. Every time he showed up, he just made me laugh. (laughs) Uh, there were some shocking things at the beginning of the movie, and Chris alluded to that. That at first, I'm like, I don't know how I feel about that. And then it was like, oh, okay, it was okay. It, it worked itself out. I liked all the, like you said, the meta references, and I just loved this movie. And it packed a very emotional punch. 
uh, and it kind of broke me up at the end a little bit, man. I, I ain't gonna lie. Same. And I would like to shout out Amy Sedaris because the one scene she had as his doctor was funny as shit. Like I liked her her scene uh, with Randall in the hospital. But no, yeah. this movie, um, yeah, far out uh, exceeded my expectations for this thing. It is probably my favorite thing he's done in probably a decade. Yeah, I because uh, we we've talked about a little bit about those like still relevant years or back to the indie thing. Like it's probably his best movie since Zack and Mary make a porno for me or clerks do like it's, it's tough. It's in that kind of period for me uh, that yep. it matches up pretty well with that. I saw this now, Chris, did you see us in the theater too? Or did you see it at home at home? Okay. Yeah. I, I had to, I had to rent it. Yeah. I, I saw it in the theater and, and then I watched it today actually to do the rewatch. Cause I wanted to see if it hit any differently or however that goes. Cause my expectation was it should have been low because I was coming off reboot, which was terrible. Like it had a few moments, but largely it's very unwatchable. And so I should have been like, all right, well, that's probably what I'm going to get here and then be surprised if it's not like Shane kind of felt with that. Um, but instead I went with kind of just hoping that this is the Kevin Smith I like because it's the characters I like and had a little bit more. It had a little bit more to it that I thought I was going to like it a lot more than I did that first time. I think it's a good movie. I don't want to dismiss it. I think, like I said, Rosario Dawson's awesome. I thought the best scene in the whole thing is like classic uh, Jay and Silent Bob dancing and doing drugs in the back of movies. When like that whole <laughs> scene, I like laughed my ass off because that felt like the closest to you know, getting back to the humor that uh kevin smith is known for i don't i don't want to be the the two things that kind of make me just go meh about these movie this particular movie and kind of like some of even part two as well dante isn't great at dramatic acting played for sadness he is and especially when he's doing it with rosario dawson she's so good it makes him look that much worse so when he has to like cry and try to be like really dramatic it's tough. It's tough to watch. Um, and sorry, Shane. I didn't like Elias that much in the second movie, and he's almost here more in, in the third, and I don't um, I don't dig on Elias. So, like, part of me is that that's kind of where I lose these current iterations of the Clerks uh, franchise. But you can't deny the chemistry of, you know, Dante and Randall. You can't deny Jay and Silent Bob. You can't deny a lot of those things that he's just cultivated for years. So I was into all that. And, you know, the one thing that I said when I got out of the theater is that this movie's not great, but somehow it is as inspirational in the same way the original was 30 years ago. In the sense of, like, when I got out of the theater, I was like, I should go write a screenplay. I should... I should go try to like, you know, get some money together, make a short film, do something like it inspired me, even though it's not like the movie where you're like, oh, this is one of the greatest movies I've seen. So it inspired me in that way. It inspired me that it's like he's just having a blast making uh, a fun movie with his friends. He's just having a blast, like just being like, this is my life and I made it. Here you go. And. It inspires me. It makes me the same way it did years ago. It just goes, God, that looks like the best life. Like Kevin Smith has always to, been to me like a guy who's just living his best life. He's like a human Comic-Con who built in all these things around him, all these businesses, his own career, uh, what he does with IMDb where he goes to film vessels. This guy is just huge fan of everything. A uh, huge fan of everything that theater. I love. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, now he has the Smod Castle or whatever and and doing a film festival and everything else. Like, he's what I would probably do with money, money if I was given money. And so good for him that he's still getting these things made. And I, I enjoyed this movie enough that I didn't feel like, all right, well, that was a waste. It wasn't the reboot stuff. It wasn't some of these other films that I thought failed. And there was enough here that I was just like, 
it's awesome. I'm glad. I'm more happy for him than I was happy for the experience. And when the when the movie ended, when they did it for Fathom Events in the theater, they actually immediately go to the making of thing afterwards, mm-hmm. which again just heightened that experience of like, God, this just feels so good. You know, the feel good nostalgia and all these same people that you've seen for years. And like I said, it was a blip for for him or for anything. For me to work with the guy for a weekend, it just made me... I I'm, I root for him. I just simply root for him, and this movie didn't dissuade it. You know, it's it's a it's a middling part of his career kind of movie, but it definitely... The, the, the hits still work. Right. And to me, this is a case where nostalgic... Where you throw nostalgia in a movie and it works. Sure. Like, the nostalgia here just works very well. Yeah. The only thing that kept taking me out of this movie, to be quite honest with you... Is Jay's teeth every time he opened yeah, his mouth for some reason? It just <laughs> I know it. It took me out, and I feel bad for the guy because I, I know he has bad choppers. But man, I thought Matt Matt Dillon from uh, <laughs> yes, oh god, something, something, about, something Mary. about Mary, about oh, Mary, yeah. so off putting and so distracting. Yeah, you know what it is. I I think that one they they don't look like they fit his mouth, but the other is uh, it's <laughs> yeah. sort of like when people do get whitening. For their teeth, yeah. Where it's like there's no half stepping with that. No, it's just like either like glowing white or slightly better than your yellow. Right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, and some people just go to extremes, and and yeah, it, it was distracting. Yeah. It's just like, oh my god, they're still there, <laughs> and he's talking with them. Like, <laughs> what is going on? But for you guys, did this also kind of inspire you to kind of be better for us in our kind of middle age of just like still not giving up on dreams or hopes or any of that stuff or did you just kind of just take it in stride i I, i'll say it uh i'm still trying to figure out what i want to be when i grow up um (laughs) yeah this is why we podcast i know exactly like uh you know everything i've done I've done late in my life. Uh, you know, I realized that like, Hey, I like writing. So I made a blog at the behest of my wife, you know, just, you know, basically do it, yeah. just do it. What, what, what's the worst that happens? Yeah. You know, people don't read. Yeah. It's like, that's what happens. You happened. do have people a lot of Dante read. energy, Chris. Yes, <laughs> I do. I do. You know, I'm not supposed to be here. Um, <laughs> but also, uh, you know, you, there's certain things that you're not, told you can or can't do when you're younger yeah and now with the age that we're in now where everything's like you know i'm holding up my phone is at your fingertips yeah you know you can you can create whatever you want i think we just have to uh just grab it by the reins and just like wherever it takes us you know but you know like i said i'm still trying to figure it out yeah Shane, how about you? Did you get inspired by the movie at all? Yeah, you know, you bring up a good point because I really wasn't thinking about that at the time I was watching it. Again, I just was, when they were going back to make the movie and they were flashing back from the first Clerks movie, it kind of slipped me back into my high school years where like, I just kept thinking about that period of my life right? Uh, as a young man with hopes and dreams that just... <laughs> And that, Hopefully, are still there for me. At the, the time you uh, knocked over the casket at the funeral uh, in your hometown. <laughs> right, yeah. Right. Yeah. But no, I, I get why you would be inspired because looking back at those scenes and your life's still in front of you, and it's like, wow, okay. And like you said, now we're the same age, and it's like, man, okay. I like Chris. It's like I'm still trying to figure certain things out. Yeah. So I, I, I can't see where you'd pull some inspiration from this movie, but I felt more. It kind of like just slipped me back in time, which was very enjoyable for me while I was watching this movie. Yeah. yeah. And and before we, we wrap up here, um, I, I wanted to interrogate what Chris was saying to us kind of like yep. outside of this. So your statement after you saw this movie, what about the entire trilogy as a whole? Yep. What What was your thought on that? Clerks, Clerks 2, and this, Clerks 3 is the perfect trilogy in my mind where it doesn't dip with me. It each one is just as good as the other. I can watch them whenever and still be transported. Like Shane was just saying back to a time when I first watched it, where 
I say like that it's the perfect trilogy to me, uh, comedy or otherwise. There are others out there, but to me, the Clerks trilogy was was to me perfect. I will say it's an impressive feat because it's basically a trilogy that was probably not planned in, in a sense because he never really kind of had the idea of like, oh, I can make more of these. Like, you know, I'm sure he was just still grateful after a certain amount of movies just to keep making movies, let alone, oh, yeah. oh I can make a sequel to a black and white indie movie I made with my friends. I think that kind of felt probably very odd to him that he could pull that off. Uh, which is, by the way, an even more of a bellwether if he's going to make a Mallrats movie, uh, you know, 30 years later or what have you. Uh, Shane, how do you feel about the Chris's assessment here? I actually can kind of back him on this one, to be honest with you. Uh, with the, I would say more comedy trilogies, though. I'm not going to go all out and say right. trilogies in general. Yeah. But it would make a top 10 list because I think with all of us, he holds such a special part in our lives, and I gravitate to him because we all kind of see ourselves in him. And those characters felt like uh, like our own, you know? And they're yeah. so tightly woven together, and it's the same cast pretty much through the three movies. And you just, like, again, we grew up with them. And the amazing part to me is usually if a sequel hasn't been made, like, in 10 or 15 years, it bombs, a.k.a. Dumb and Dumber and Zoolander oh, 2. Like, they just God. don't work over a certain amount of time. That Dumb and yeah. Dumber but, sequel just, uh, you just made I, shivers go sorry. down my spine. It's I know. So I, I'm just saying, to him to make a trilogy that spans 30 years, and yeah. they're, like Chris said, they, they're all good in their own way, is pretty impressive, man. So I can, I, I'm going to back him a little bit on that statement. Yeah, I think Thanks, when you, you're saying, like, couching, especially for the comedy trilogy more than like overall, like there's a lot of trilogies that are, I think are impeccable. Like obviously if you, you know, take the, the first star Wars or, or Lord of the Rings or any of these other like ones <laughs> that are like contained trilogies, whatever that, that doesn't work. But like, as far as comedy trilogies go, a lot of them always have like at least a dud, you know, in them, they don't seem to be as uh, coherent all the way through. Um, usually it's like they're either the latest adventures of this or it's like something completely out of left field. I said, like, I think the closest one to me that I felt about this was either like, like Bill and Ted because they made like a updated one <coughs> recently where at least you're now seeing them as older and with children and still having uh, adventures similar to their, their youth or whatever. There's kind of that fitting with that and then of course like yeah. national lampoon's vacation if you took like those the first three movies they made with that is probably you know better in quality with these um i think the difference between maybe me and you guys is that i think the first one is so much better than the second and third one so obviously with shane saying he likes the second one so the second one feels more of a piece with how he's doing the third so you know, I could see you guys maybe getting more mileage as a trilogy, but I do, I, I am impressed by how he was able to like kind of keep a theme and a through line with these three movies, especially with how far yeah. apart they are. I think it's, it's more impressive to me than saying like, you know, that it's uh, perfection, you know, like the, like, uh, you know, uh, what's his name? God damn, like the uh, Fassbender. Uh, Michael Fassbender. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Perfection. Like I'm not, <coughs> I didn't feel like that when I uh, finished up Corks 3, but I am impressed with how every movie is about kind of doing something with your life before it's too late in the various stages of life and the feel like those feelings that you have in your twenties, your thirties, your, you know, almost fifties. So yeah. I will say you're not you're not far off. When you first said it to me, I was like, "Come on, son!" But like now, watching it again and kind of like going through, especially the the comedy trilogies, there's not a lot of good ones at all. Like there's usually like no, like you said, there there's ones that are uh, duds or they they dip a little bit yeah. or whatever. And a lot of them are yeah. lucky to even make two. So like the ones that got three is because they made like a lot of money or they're more action heavy, like they're procedural, like a Beverly Hills Cop or bad boys or police academy or something something where like you could kind of just be like 
here's the newest adventure of these two guys like shooting up a drug dealer or whatever. Um, and the, the hangover weirdly fits <laughs> That's that hilarious. too in a way. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, <laughs> but like Austin Powers, I thought the second one sucked. You know, you have Naked Gun, the third one's terrible. Uh, so there's a lot like uh, the hangover two and three, like they're just bad. So like, there's a lot of ones that you could just go, eh, I know Shane was, uh, putting up some love for pitch perfect. Um, but I have not seen the sequels on that. So I can't echo those sentiments. Yes. I'll go to bat for pitch perfect any day. And like to use a phrase from you is get on it, get on the sequel, son. I guess. Get on them. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're all on HBO max. Um, yes, I, they are. So probably, yeah. yeah, I'll have to get there. Um, but yeah, but I think that's that's right. That's a good that's a good way to to look at it though. And, and like I said, I really appreciate what he's doing. And, and it's weirdly like the before movies, before midnight, before sunset, all those, because it just keeps re-upping this same relationship over time and kind of checking in. The only difference is those are like really like tackling like philosophical and social issues and and marital and you know uh, interpersonal stuff, whatever. This one is just obviously taking the piss out of a lot of those things in a way, but also this one getting super heavy. Um, in the same way, the end of Clerks 2 gets a little heavy, where it's like Randall mm-hmm. kind of just begging <laughs> for for uh, Dante not to leave him, and that he's like his yeah. only friend and all these other things, which, by the way, makes... I watched 2 yesterday and watched uh, 3 today. To yeah. watch them close together is a little tough because you're like, how do you keep falling for this asshole shit? <laughs> like, you know, if you go with the Randall, if you actually watched it like a trilogy straight through, you'd be like, God, this is toxic, dude. Stop going back to this guy. <laughs> Stop hitching your wagon to him. But we also all have that friend, uh, and his name is Chris. So, like, you get it. You just, like, <laughs> somebody's you. always tearing you down, te- you know, anchoring you to your home. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. But good job, you know, Kevin Smith. And what do you guys feel about, like, a Mallrats sequel? Does that, like, do anything? Because this one's way more personal for him. Mallrats is a whole other thing. I, I'm i down for another Mallrats, to be honest with you. Because he's had – we obviously talked about his career, and this was a better movie for him. But, like, I always consider a favorite director of mine – I'll always give him a, I'll always give him a shot. It's like yeah. that athlete that has one good game left in him. <laughs> yeah. Like you just want to see it. So I always give him the benefit of the doubt. And I I hope going forward it's more like this as far instead of the reboot. So right. but you never know what you're gonna get. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I'll always give him the benefit of the doubt. I'll always give him a chance. That's where I stand with him. I also just w- want to see what a London brother looks like these w- days because oh, I don't geez. think I've seen uh, one in. Uh, no, I, I don't even I've know if him. he's in it. I saw like Claire Forlani's signed on. I think I saw Joey Lauren Adams' name in the cast listing. I would assume it's mostly anybody, but to me, I miss seeing Jason Lee every day. Where like oh, that was too. during the '90s and early 2000s between yeah. his movie career and My Name Is Earl. Like I miss that guy. And rewatching Clerks too, like seeing him even make that little cameo, I was like, "Oh, this is kind of fun." So, yeah, I mi- I miss that dude. So, Chris, you in for uh, Mallrats too? So it's funny because like uh, Clerks, the Clerks trilogy has like a, a certain feel to it, whereas uh, the um, the Jay and Silent Bob movie was like a, a live action cartoon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So then the reboot felt like a cartoon as well where you're like, okay, it's trying to have a message of like being again, meta yeah, uh, with like, you know, uh, uh, licensing and, you know, uh, having these characters be, you know, uh, a studio's property and not themselves. Right. And growing up, finding out that you have a kid, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's just, there were certain aspects in it where I felt, okay, I get where he's going. I like what he's saying there. Yeah. But yeah, it was just like, I, I think it was a, a swing and a miss, but, uh, mall rats almost has that feel of a clerks two and a clerks three. Yeah. Where if you can have that tone come back, you know, uh, you know, whenever it comes out, you know, X amount of years later. Yeah. 
and, and be just as good as Clerks 3 to Clerks 2, yeah, then I'm all for it. And like Shane said, you know, there's certain directors that you'll stand behind and you'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> if they pump out another yoga hosers, you may just be like, yeah, I'm not going to watch that again. Yeah. It took a lot for me to, to come back to Kevin Smith a little bit more because he had a couple of clunkers in a row. And that's really what it was between uh, Yoga Hosers and Reboot, where I just was like, all right, is this the end? So at least this was at least something that reinvigorated me about his career. And I would totally be signing up for, uh, you know, some commentary about how malls are dying, but put it through the lens of, uh, you know, Jane on Bob is still around and and maybe Michael Rooker's uh, producer for like a, a shitty reality dating show like a fuckboy island or something. And just uh, they're doing auditions in the mall and Claire Forlani's there. You know, hey, yeah, bring it all back. Do the same. Do the same thing. Just make me laugh. Sorry, Stanley, that you can't be in here, but uh, I'm sure yeah. there will be someone with three nipples happening that will make me <laughs> enjoy it. Um do you guys want to put grades on it? You just read my mind. All right. <laughs> so, Chris, I think you're the highest on it, so go for it. You and Shane are probably a lot closer. I don't know. I, I, I say four out of five. Okay. For me. I, I also echo that, and I give it a four. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. If I could do quarters, I'd give them like 3.25. Um, but if I had to pick one way or the other, I'm closer to three than three and a half. So, okay. Yeah. So again, solid, workable, enjoyed uh, pieces of it, uh, you know, a lot and look forward to him doing more stuff with it. But I don't know how much more nostalgia I got. Like I said, a dogma too almost sounds more entertaining, but that's obviously probably a lot more money. So we'll see. We'll see if everything gets, you know, rebooted, retconned, whatever, (laughs) like just bringing it all back, sequelize everything. But, um, yeah, uh, if you want to hear a sequel to this episode, you're not going to get it, nor a reboot. But um, be sure to come back. We'll have more recent activity coming for you each and every week. Um, so like, subscribe, do the whole thing, and come back next week for more recent activity. <laughs>